Well, we spent a week celebrating the fact that Jesus came as a baby in a manger. And if you're thankful for that, say amen. amen. But I wanted to go a little different direction if you'll turn to Revelation chapter 22 and remind you in this moment of unsurety. Is that a word? Unsurety. If it's not, it is now. Add it to your vocabulary. In this moment of um, conflict and questions and fear, uh, you know, I, I hardly make it in the door uh, before hearing of folks in our church that are so gravely ill, some sitting by their computers, their TV sets this morning watching this feed. And I thought, you know, what a, what a time to give you an encouraging word, and it's this. Jesus came 2,000 years ago as a baby in a manger. And then he went back to the Father, ascended back. We're going to look at that in a moment. And then he sent the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. So we've not been alone all this time. But here's the reality. In a moment that you think not, when you're the least prepared for it, nobody knows the day or the hour, Jesus is coming again. Most of the times we read about it in the Word of God, it's speaking of the second coming, not the rapture of the church. So the second coming uh, is going to occur, but seven years before that, Jesus will not come and touch down upon the earth, but He will step out on the clouds. And the Bible says He's going to say, in the language of that day, come up hither. I like that word, hither. He might say, come up here now, I'm not sure. Uh, but how, whatever he says, you and I who are believers will at that moment no longer be controlled by gravity. And somewhere between here and there, we're going to drop this robe of flesh and rise, the song says, to seize the everlasting skies. In other words, we're going to be caught up together with him in the clouds. Somewhere between here and heaven, we will, I believe, receive a glorified body so that we can enter in. But you say, Pastor, what makes you think that Jesus' coming is near? Well, there's a lot of things that cause my mind to go to it. You know, I, I, I know there have been some hard moments in history. I've read about all the other pandemics, the, the blood moons. You remember the blood moons a few years back? Everybody just knew the Lord was coming. You remember the Omega Code movie that came out? Boy, I heard it then. Well, Good night. We're gonna, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna surely be going to heaven soon. What about the Black Death and cholera and yellow fever and polio and the Spanish flu, the bird in one, what is it, in one H one? Yeah, some of y'all were freaked out about that too, weren't you? Just, to, just to be honest about it. I mean, all in all, I'm not downplaying the moment we're in right now, but there've been many of them, and you and I don't know when, but I believe we are nearer. I know we're nearer to the coming of the Lord than we've ever been. And I believe we are near the moment when Jesus is going to step out on the clouds. Now, that could do two or three things for you. Number one, it could bring great encouragement to you. Maybe God allows these moments in our lives to help us recognize that this world is not our home. To help us get connect, disconnected just a little bit so we can look forward to what we're supposed to be looking forward to. But I can promise you there are students in this room and in this church that wonder, will they ever uh, be able to marry, have a family? <clears throat> what will the future look like? Everybody wonders that. And the only person that really knows is God Almighty. Not even the angels in heaven know when he's going to step out and come. But in 
in praying and studying through this, I, I saw a number of, in Luke 21 and Mark 13 and Matthew 24, I saw a number of last signs. It was kind of a list of signs and indications of Jesus coming again. Let me give you a few of them before we get in the text. The rise of false teachers and prophets. Man, they're everywhere. The Bible says the love of many will wax cold. Traditional moral values will, uh, will be less accepted. Wars, national conflicts, earthquakes, national disasters. Many people abandoning their Christian faith completely. You know, um, I was watching a, a podcast this week. And the gentleman on the podcast talked about 50 years ago, I want you to think about this, <clears throat> or more, 50 years ago, it was understood pretty much in our country, there was an understanding of the reality of the truth of the Bible, who God is, who Jesus is. I mean, we were built on that kind of a foundation. That's where you started. If you wanted to share your faith with someone, there was a, pretty much there was a starting point of the, the fact of the inerrancy of God's Word, it's without error, and there is a God in heaven. And uh, his son is named Jesus. That's where we started. Today, all that's gone. We're living in what they call, what is called the post-Christian moment. Where if you've tried to share your faith, by the way, lots of folks don't anymore because they're not prepared. But if you've tried to share your faith, you know, of course, that that's not an understood truth in most people's lives. A lot of people question whether this is God's word, whether the Bible really is true. They question whether there's one God. They believe there are many gods. And how do you know you have the right one? This is the moment we live in right now. And yet in this, in this moment, while we're in the middle of a, of a pandemic, I was telling Terry on our walk yesterday, I said, you know, they're recording these large numbers of people that are infected with the virus. But how about all the people that don't go to be tested? <laughs> what about all them country people saying, I ain't going down there and letting them stick anything up my nose. I mean, I can just hear it uh, reverberating through our county. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of people, and uh, folks have, had, you know, a lot of folks have had it, and it's not been conclusively confirmed by the doctor. It might be like that great philosopher here in Dunn by the name of Jerome Warren. You know him, he's a brilliant man. He, he said to me not long ago, he said, I'll tell you what I believe. I said, what is it, Jerome? I've listened to everybody else's thoughts on this. Let me hear yours. He said, don't you think we're all going to get it? (laughs) That made a little bit of sense, you know, just a wee little bit. Truth is, whether you know it or not, you may have been subjected to it more than likely. Uh, It affects people that have issues way worse. That's where where the danger is. But in this moment, I'm not downplaying it at all or minimizing it. At least, at the very least, we've been caused to think, are we near the coming of Jesus Christ? So I said, Lord, we've been talking about Jesus coming. Can I talk about you coming again? And the Lord brought me to the text that I have this morning. And I found what I believe to be the greatest evidence that the coming of Jesus is near. And it's found here in the Word of God. Would you look with me at Revelation chapter 22? And uh, I'm going to preach on Jesus is coming again. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, I want to ask you this morning that you would draw our minds and hearts away from everything that's going on in our lives right now, even the season and the the joy of it and the time we've had with everybody else. Lord, draw our minds back to, uh, to the truth of your word and the reality of who you are and the promises that you made. You didn't just say you were going to come. 
Prophecies didn't just declare that you were coming, Jesus, to the earth as a baby, but that one day you would come again. Today I pray that we would receive great hope, those of us who are believers, in the fact that you could come again and there's a greater day coming. And Lord, for those that do not know you, may this be the day that they come to you in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. You notice Pastor Cameron's not here. I want you to pray for he and Lynn and, and the boys. They're on a little getaway. Uh, they went up to, um, to Indiana to spend time with their son who's there involved in a, um, a big uh, special performance. You probably saw also that he proposed to, uh, to his uh, significant other and they are engaged. So it was a perfect time for them to be away. Please pray for them as they travel and they're praying for us today. Look at verse 1, Revelation 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Someone was asking the question, you believe that's a literal river or that this is symbolic of something else in heaven? Well, no, it doesn't say that it's like a river or like unto. No, it says there will be a pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of this city, New Jerusalem, in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was the tree of life. You remember uh, references to that in in Genesis. Which bare twelve manner of fruit, yielded her fruit, and yielded her fruit every month. Do you have have imagination? Do you have a glorified imagination? Because we can't see it with our physical eyes right now, but we will one day. I want you to imagine with me the throne of God in heaven. The brightness of the glory of God. The Bible says it was like a jasper, like a a sardine stone. Um, There's a rainbow round about the throne. The figures that um, John tried to write about was the best he could do with his uh, limited vocabulary, but it's so bright, it's amazing. The glory of God on the throne, Jesus seated at the right hand of God. And out of the throne of God flows this crystal river of the water of life. And it talks about the tree of life. Most people believe that the trees will be on either side of, the, uh, of this river. And, and the Bible talks about <clears throat> it bearing special fruit every month. And then it says a statement that's always kind of puzzled me a little bit. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. Now, what, what would be the purpose of the healing? We're going to be beyond that point. Well, it could be in a reference to the millennial reign of Jesus, which where there will be people during that time, during that thousand year reign before the eternal state. There'll be people born at that time, there'll be a need for healing, and this could be a reference to that. Verse three, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, the city, and his servants shall serve him. That's us. Here's my favorite statement in the in the introduction, verse four, and they shall see his face. They shall see his face. Let me illustrate that real quick. You know how you look forward if you had family or friends come this year? Or maybe you went somewhere for Christmas? You know how they were standing there waiting and watching for you? Or you were standing at the door waiting for them or watching for them? Chuck, it's kind of going to be the way I can imagine it being on tomorrow when some of your family starts arriving. Um, the Mead family holiday get-together is going to happen here uh, in Dunn. We're very excited about hosting all of them. So the family's coming, most all of them and their children, your mom and dad will be here, and they're going to be watching you, because you're the host, you two. They're going to be watching your face. Your little nieces and nephews are going to be watching because they're excited about coming to see you. This is the way we all experience this. Your mom and dad are going to be watching. They all are. By the way, don't miss Wednesday night. 
I've asked them to sing, their family. Uh, it's going to be a special night, special Wednesday evening. But here's what I want you to see. When we get to heaven, we're gonna, I'm going to be looking for one face. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the loved ones. But we're going to see his face. Can we say those words together? And we will see his face. I wonder, how long has it been since you have stopped to meditate on what that moment's going to be like when Jesus comes again and we see his face? What a, what a moment. And his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Now, here's my message. There are three reasons why I believe the Bible is clear that Jesus is coming soon. I believe Jesus is coming soon because, number one, of the Word of God. I want you to notice in verse 6 through 10 the references to the Word. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Then here's the statement. Listen to this. Behold, I come quickly. But he doesn't just say it one time. Look again at verse 12. Jesus speaks and he says, And behold, I come quickly. And then look down to verse 20. He which testifieth these things saith, here he is again, saying, Surely I come quickly. Three times he said it. We're talking about the Word of God. And way more than that, look at verse 8. And I, John, saw these things and I heard them. And when I heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then said he, the angel, unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. I was thinking, Lord, you know, I know you're not going to tell anybody the day or the hour when you're going to come. You're just going to say you're going to come. You're saying you're going to come quickly. You're trying to keep us encouraged and anticipating the reality of your coming. But then I saw in this text some things I'd never really seen before. And I want you to notice with me the references every time the word is mentioned in these few verses. Number one, we know Jesus is coming again because of the word of God. Look at verse 6. And he said unto me, these sayings, what sayings, God's word, are faithful and true. And the Lord God of his holy, who? Prophets. Prophets declared the words of God. And his angels sent, uh, sent unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. Now watch this. <clears throat> Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy. There it is again. And then notice these words. Of this book. I want you to notice how many times you, you see that in this passage. This book. Look down to verse... Uh, um, uh, well, look back up to verse 7. I didn't point it out there. The prophecy of this book. In verse 9, the sayings of this book. Verse 10, and he saith unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Here's the emphasis. Look at me, church. <clears throat> regardless of what anybody is teaching, regardless of how you feel, one thing for sure and certain never changes. God's word never changes. Jesus said, I am coming back. And I'm coming back to catch away my bride before the wrath, before the tribulation. I'm coming back, and I'm coming for you. When you think things have gotten so bad that you don't know what you're going to do, remember this reality. Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. 
Doug Wells was laying in the hospital today with infection racking his body. Uh, he already has some other issues that complicated that. Uh, Phil Denton, that you pray for, Phil, uh, has, um, has really dealt with one of the hardest seasons physically that he's ever faced. Charles Tart, uh, they've been putting him in that hyperbaric chamber. Don't you think in those moments when our people, uh, Steve Anderson <clears throat> just received his families here this morning, uh, the transplant, as weak and, and as his body begins to embrace this new organ in his body, all these thoughts come and the enemy says, you're not going to make it. I mentioned last Sunday, I waited till after you were gone, Lynn, but here's a Sunday or two after we had the special service for your family when we, when we talked about Rick and we memorialized and talked about his life and his faith in God. Here sits a widow in our service just a few days removed. Listen to me. It's in these moments that we get discouraged and depressed if we think all there is is here and now. I'm here to tell you this is not the half of it. The Bible says the half has not been told. And in these moments when you wonder what you're going to do and life gets dark and you don't know where to turn, I remind you that Jesus said, I am coming again. And he said, I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. Behold, I come quickly. You said, preacher, what in the world? How could you preach that? It's been 2,000 years since Jesus ascended back into heaven and he says I'm coming quickly that's 2,000 years but you're forgetting his time's different than your time we're impatient you notice that your children how about Christmas morning how many of them got up before seven let's see your hand any of your children or grandchildren get up before seven? Oh my goodness the rest of you gave too much dimatap to your children the night before didn't you <laughs> I know what you did you doped them up I'm telling you, they're impatient. Oh, they want to open Christmas night or New, uh, uh, Christmas Eve. Hey, Mom, Dad, can I open some? Grandma, can I open some? Uh, well, I remember that. Justice everywhere he goes now, he says, do I get another present? Can I open that present? He pointed at that one this morning. No, you've opened enough presents. Christmas is over, son. No more presents. Impatience. Watch this. In thinking about, uh, in, in thinking about 2,000 years, remember what the Bible says. Listen to this. A day with the Lord is how long? thousand years and a thousand years as a day look time is relative to God time is different than ours a day with the Lord's a thousand years and a thousand years as a day have you ever studied or thought about prophetically and I'm not preaching a lot of prophecy this morning I'm just telling you Jesus is coming again and giving you three reasons but you ever thought about Jesus first two days after his baptism the first two days look at this he was gathering disciples gathering followers you remember what he did on the third day? He went to a wedding. Now, I don't know. I don't know when he's going to come. I don't know exactly when he's going to come. But the first day, the first thousand years, he's gathering disciples. The second day, the second thousand years up to year 2000, he's gathering disciples. Did you know we've already begun the third day? We're 20 years into the third day, getting ready to start the 21st. We're 20 years into that, that third day. Listen to me. We might be getting ready to have a marriage where the bridegroom, that's us who are saved, and the, or, no, God, Jesus is the bridegroom. We're the bride. That, we may be getting ready to have a wedding. We might be getting ready to go to heaven, y'all. Listen to me. You say, do you really believe that? I absolutely believe that, and I believe it for this reason. Number one, I believe Jesus is coming again because of the Word of God. I could take you to Matthew 24 this morning. 
and, and, and John 14 where he said, I will come again. In Acts chapter 1 when the, the angels that were standing there when he ascended said, why stand you gazing? This same Jesus that you've seen go away will so come in like manner. I could take you to text after text in the word of God that would reveal to you that he said, be patient therefore under the coming of the Lord for the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Jesus is coming again. And all through this Bible he says to you, I'm coming again. I'm coming again. Come to me because I'm coming again. Don't wait. Don't wait to give your heart to me. The Word of God reveals it. Look at one other place. You're in Revelation. Turn back to Revelation 1 real quick. Just one place. I won't look at all these other places. Revelation 1 verse 7. Revelation 1 7. The Holy Spirit through John writes, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Look at verse, look at verse 8. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which was, to which is, and which was, and which is to come. Look at chapter 3 and verse 11. Chapter 3, verse 11 says this. Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast that, hold fast which thou that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Back to Revelation 22, number one. We know Jesus is coming again because of the Word of God. Let me ask you a question. I want you to answer aloud. Sitting here in this room right now, when all the world around us doubts the reality of God's Word, do you believe the Word of God? Yes or no? Yes. <clears throat> Y'all know William. Raise your hand, William. Y'all know him? William Godwin, let me tell you something about him. I found it out this morning, never knew it before. That boy right there, he knows the Word of God. He loves the Word of God. He stood there and told me, he said, Pastor, here are some verses. And he started busting off on these scriptures about God being a God of comfort. Not one, not two. He said, I have to preach these to myself all the time. I have to remind myself of this all the time. You know what he's doing? He's standing on the Word of God. I'm challenging you to do the same thing. I know Jesus is coming again because of the Word of God. Number two, I know Jesus is coming again. Look at verse 11 uh, and following. I know He's coming again because of the work of Jesus. Look, I want you to notice in verse, beginning in verse 11, this is almost like, it's almost like two different passages. It's like this really doesn't fit. But in the middle of him talking about, I'm getting ready to come again. At the very end, he says this. He that is unjust, let him be, or he's going to be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He, then he shifts gears. Look at the line. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Let me stop for a moment before I read the rest of those verses and tell you. Do you see the line he just drew? Do you see the clear line he just drew? As if I were drawing a line right here. And he says the unjust and the, and the filthy, you're over here. No, no reflection on all of y'all. <laughs> and the righteous and the holy, you're over here. And don't get the big head because I know some of you and you don't fall in that category perfectly, Tom. So watch this. Here's what I want to say to you. Watch. Look at the line he draws. Listen what made the difference of the unjust and the filthy and the righteous and the holy? Only one thing. Listen to me. It was the cross. 
The cross of Jesus and what he did on that cross, shedding his blood, determines whether or not a filthy man becomes a righteous man. Whether or not uh, an unjust man becomes a holy man. You can become that, not because of who you are, not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Amen or not? He said, and when that time comes, and when I come, I'm coming quickly. He said it three times, and when I come, you're going to be unjust forever, filthy forever if you don't come to me. You'll be righteous forever and holy forever if you make me your Lord. Boy, that's a strong word, isn't it? You know what the Lord brought to my mind, that line? Did you know Jesus drew a line like that? As he was hanging on the cross. Think about that with me. There's a thief on this side. And a thief on this side. And one of them was unjust. They both unjust at first. All of us unjust at first. There's an unjust filthy one right here. He's cussing God. He's declaring. He wants nothing to do with this Christ. But do you remember who was on the other side? Anybody remember this? He said. Hey Lord. Will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? In other words, I believe you are the Christ. I believe you're Lord. And Jesus said to him today, Thou will be with me in paradise. Hey, by the way, you ain't unjust or filthy no more. I just made you righteous. I just made you holy. And today, you're going to be with me in paradise. I'm talking about the work of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to uh, as his work shall be. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments. Now, here he shows the line again. That they may have right to the tree of life. You come to Jesus, you'll be able to enter in through the gates of the city. But if not, I hate that little word, without. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. You could have been made holy. You could have been made righteous because of Jesus' gift and blood on the cross. He loves you, but you didn't. And because of that, you're without. You're without Christ. You're without hope. After he comes, I'm coming again. Did you know there's still hope today? Did you know where we are right now? He hasn't come yet. He's come as a baby, but he's going to come again. This time, they ain't going to put him on a cross. He's going to rule and reign from his, the throne of his father, David, forever. And you're going to rule with him if you're saved. Do you see this? Jesus is coming again. And I know he's coming again because of the work of, of God, because of the Word of God, number one, because of the work of Jesus. Number three, and I'm done. You ready for this? Because of the witness of the Spirit. How appropriate for the Holy Spirit. By the way, I hope you make a commitment this year. Spend more time in your Bible than you ever have before. And get yourself ready for the Lord to come. Tune your ears so you can hear. And every day when you step outside to go to school or to work, look up in the heavens and say, Lord, is this going to be the day when you come? Is this going to be the day when you step out on the clouds and bring us home? By the way, I believe that will help you with your anxiety. I think that might help you a little bit with your depression. To anticipate every day the coming of Jesus Christ. Number three, the witness of the Spirit. Look at verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. Wow. Did you know the Holy Spirit, he wrote this Bible. But in addition to that, 
He's mentioned in chapter 1, verse 2 of Genesis. The first, not only the last, the first. The Bible says the Spirit hovered or brooded or moved upon the waters. The Holy Spirit's so important. He's mentioned in the second verse of the Bible. And here he is again in the last chapter of the Bible, the last section. And from one end to the other, you can't make it without the Holy Spirit. You can't make it without the convicting of the Holy Spirit. You can't make it without the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You can't make it without the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Oh, how appropriate that the Holy, the dear Holy Ghost is mentioned here. The Spirit and the bride say, come. I saw something in the text. Want to see it? The Spirit says, come. You say, what's that? What's that like? I'll tell you what it's like. You know, if you're lost this morning, you're sitting in this room, you're not saved. Maybe you think you are. Maybe you prayed a little prayer, but your life never changed. You, have, you never really fell in love with Jesus. You never really started following Him and walking with Him and loving His Word. And, and you know, listen, the Holy Spirit's knocking at your heart's door this morning. You're starting to say, well, if He really is coming, I wonder if I'm ready. Well, let me tell you what that is. That's the Spirit saying, Come to Jesus. Come to the cross. Come. The Spirit says come. Look at this. And the bride, listen to this. Not only does the Spirit say come, but the saints say come. All of we who are saved, you know what we're saying to you? Come. Come on into our family. Come to Jesus. Come to Christ. The Spirit says come, and the saints say come. There's a third group. Look at this. And let him that heareth say come. Well, that's a whole new group. You know who that is? That's a bunch of sinners that have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, maybe shared in a good news club. And they hear it, and they say, okay, I'll come. He that heareth says come. I heard it. I remember when I was lost, and I heard the gospel, how that Jesus loved me and wanted me. Come to Jesus. Do you see it? The Spirit says come, and the saints say come, and the sinners who repent say come. Oh, how these words will echo in the ears of anybody who has heard them on this side when they're burning in hell forever because the Lamb of God wants you to come and because the Holy Ghost wants you to come and because the saints want you to come and because the sinners who repent want you to come and for some reason you put it off and you waited and you said no and you hung on to some religious form or fact and you missed Jesus. Jesus said, I'm coming back and I'm coming quickly. Spirit and the bride says, because he's coming back quickly, come, come to Jesus. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. Him that is a heareth say, come. Let him that is a thirst. By the way, I wonder if there's any thirsty people in this room. You didn't know you're thirsty, but you, there's something. <clears throat> You've never been fully satisfied. You know what satisfy you? Look at chapter 22 and verse 1. He talks about the pure river of the water of life. <clears throat> chapter 22, verse 1. Now look at chapter 22 over in verse, uh, verse 17. If you're thirsty, he said, whosoever will, let him take the water of life. There it is again. He keeps mentioning water. I told him in the early service, my wife Terry is a water Nazi. <clears throat> she thinks water is a solution for everything. She carries water. She's got water in that big bag right now. I promise you that. She's got water in the car. She's usually got a case sitting in the back somewhere. Jeremy, if you say, uh, mm, I got a headache, she'll go out to the car. She's done this for you before. Brought a bottle of water and said, here, drink this. You're probably dehydrated. 
That's her thing. If you're not feeling good, my stomach hurts. Drink some water. <laughs> I mean, no matter what the problem, water is the solution. But you know, when I read this text, I saw it for a lost man who's thirsty for someone they don't even know, a lost woman, a lost child. The water is the answer. Come and drink, he that is a thirst. Come. And whosoever will, let him take the, of the water of life. Every sinner, come. Black ones and white ones and poor ones and rich ones from other parts of the world, let them come. This week I've been reading a book, one of the best books I've ever read. The book's called Steal Away Home. It's written after a, a spiritual, a Negro spiritual. It's written of a man by the name of Thomas Johnson, who was a slave for many years in Richmond, Virginia. Thomas Johnson first heard the name Charles Spurgeon when he was taken to a burning, a book and paper burning one night, and he realized that Mr. Spurgeon from London had been writing against owning human beings. And the Southerners hated him for it. And so they had a big massive burning, and all the slave owners and the people of the city, and even religious leaders that were in favor of owning other people. By the way, this Bible's diametrically opposed to any sort of anything that doesn't treat everybody the same way as those who are made in the image of God. Can I get an amen right there just for, just for the record? Thomas Johnson stood there as a, as a man in chains, enslaved, torn from his mother, sold like a piece of meat, lived 20 years of his life, never having a thought or a feeling of his own, with be, being beat, treated so terribly, left for dead. But then abolition happened. The war. And it's over. And he's free. God has saved him. He's found freedom in Jesus Christ one night sitting around a room with a few people. And here he is. Later he would meet Mr. Spurgeon. And in the darkness of depression in his life, he would get to share with him. But here's the story I want to tell you. His desire was to go to Africa. He wanted to go where the people from his lineage were, was from. And he went to Cameroon. And in that village, they didn't want anything to do with him or the Christ that he preached and taught. But after years of living with them and loving them and serving them, one day the king lay dying. And he went to serve the king of that region. And as he was there, he began to tell the king about this Jesus that would love him. If he would just come to him. He would love him and he would forgive him. And he would bring him home to heaven. And that they would get to see each other again. And the more he talked, the king said, the witches have lied to me. The witches have lied to me. I've drunk everything they've said to drink. I've done everything they said to do. And I'm no more the better and I'm about to die. And Thomas knew the urgency of the moment. And he said, sir, God sent me here if for no other person than for you. He loves you. He sent his son to go to the cross for you. That you could live eternally by being repentant and believing in him and having faith in him. And in the last moments, in the last few words of that old man's life, the king said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I'm coming to him. 
He looked to his son just before he died and he said, whatever these men say, you follow them. That whole region was redeemed because someone heard the word come. You know, you ever thought about That's one of the most beautiful words in all the Bible. Come. Jesus said, I'm coming. The Spirit says, come. The bride says, come. We're coming. We're coming. Come. But what happens if we don't come? Did you know one day you'll hear your last sermon? You'll experience your last Christmas. Wake up to your last sunrise. And Jesus will come again. And if you do not come to Him before He returns, you won't hear the word come. Here's what you'll hear. Maybe one of the worst words in the Bible. Depart. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. I wanted you to come, but you waited too late. Let's bow our heads just for a moment, and I want to tell you a story. There was a man years ago that was out in Utah, and he was, he was on a strength hike. He was so close to water, and he didn't even know it. The goal was to try to withstand with the elements find your own water, not bring any supplies. And so, so it was into the third or fourth day with no water in 100 degree temperatures that he began to hallucinate. And then he began to be weakened. They tried to help him. He failed. And within a matter of minutes, he was dead. You know, the big tragedy, his death was a tragedy. But in addition to that, the great tragedy was within 100 yards was a cave. And in that cave was a little pool of water would have saved him. Can I tell you this morning the water's near for every person that'll come to Jesus. You say, you don't know what I've done. He does. He still says, come. You don't know where I've been. He does. He knows where you've been. And he still says, come. Well, he's redeemed we who are sinners. And today he wants you to come. Will you come? Did you know a little profession of faith in a church won't save you? Your name being on the roll won't save you. Coming to Jesus in faith, giving your life to Him will redeem your lost soul. So while our heads are bowed, may I lead you in a, a prayer to come to Jesus. Please don't just pray these words after me without meaning them and believing them in your soul. But maybe you're here this morning or you're watching the live feed and there's a deep, dark hole. It's dry. You're thirsty. And you've never known what for. Maybe you thought you were saved, but here's the prayer coming to Jesus. God, I'm dry. There's been something missing. I believe you died. You were buried. And I believe you rose again, Jesus. And I believe you're coming again. And I want to come to you right now. Would you take me, Lord, and wash me? I want to be your son, your daughter, and I want you to be my father. Forgive me. I turn from my sin. And I come to you. Oh, thank you, God, for accepting me 
into your family. I want to love you and serve you all my days. And the spirit of the bride says, come. He that heareth, let him come. Her come. Him that is a thirst, let him come. Take the water of life freely. Jesus is coming again, and he's coming soon. May we be ready. May our loved ones be ready.